All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck buddies? What the fucking ears? What the fuck nicks? What the fuckstables? What the fuckadelics? What the fuckaholics? I am Mark Marin. This is WTF. It's early in the morning. That is also a Harry Nelson song. A good one. But it is early. Things are going all right. I'm a little tired. I'm not going to complain. Look, I, I know a lot of you are out there digging your shit out of snow, sub zero temperatures. I hear reports on the NPR that. That some of the temperatures are dangerous for the children and the elderly. That's fucking cold if your grandma's going to freeze. You got you to make sure the baby's room's heated properly. So you don't wake up to a babysickle. That's ah, horrible. Horrible. I would scratch that from the record of jokes that came out of my mouth if I had a way to do it. And I do. But I'm not going to, I guess. Pow. Look out. Just coffee.co-op. Just shit my pants. Man, I got that all jangled up. Hey, I know it's cold. I know people's lives are harder than mine. and uh, But I am up a, a little early. I can't sleep in the morning. I, I don't know what that's about. As you get older, does your body know you're running out of time? And need you to get up earlier? Come on, dude. Not that much left. I just can't, I, I don't know if that's a form of insomnia. Like I wake up at 5.36 and I'm like, what? I mean, I seem to be able to go to sleep at night. I'm not spinning the plates then. I'm not working all the angles, you know, looking for uh, panic po- panic options. Yeah, could, uh, could you upload a list of panic options, please, before I go to bed? Thank you, brain. What do we got? Uh, general death now. Uh... The uh, dating, mm, uh, how about how about uh, just basic dread that you're never going to write an hour of stand-up again? Oh, the shooting thing and the fact that uh, Thinky Pain is done, hour and a half of stand-up comedy available on Netflix. Also, season one of Marin, which I'm finding nobody saw. I don't know if nobody has IFC. Or if it's just that people don't know where it is. I'm just happy it's up on Netflix. The first season of Marin, 10 episodes up on Netflix. People are digging it. I, I know, and, I, and I've talked about this before, that it, you know more people don't know who I am than know who I am. But Jesus, it's kind of weird when you put as much work into uh, putting yourself out there, and it's just what you do, when people on Twitter say like, where have I been? Who's this Marin guy? I don't know, but you, I think you got here at a good time because I don't know how much time I have left. That's not a dark or cynical thing. It just is what it is. I'm glad people are finding it. Marin, season one, 10 episodes on Netflix and Thinky Pain, an hour and a half of stand-up comedy, also on Netflix. Now I got to get into the new hour. But I don't have a lot of time because I'm shooting the second season of Marin. Will Forte is on the show today, and uh, I didn't—I didn't know him. I never met him before, and I was a little nervous. But what a pleasant guy, nice guy. And I'll tell you that movie Nebraska. All these best of uh, of the year movie lists are coming out as we head into uh, Oscar season. Is that how you say that with an accent of my own making? Uh, I enjoyed Nebraska. You know, I get screeners because I'm a member of several different unions. It's a union thing. A lot of people think like, "Oh, you Hollywood types." No, it's a, it's a union thing. By the union, you know, we get the good movies before you see them. It's a union thing. Sitting my teamster chair, 
my uh, my living room and watch movies. But uh, I enjoyed Nebraska. I'll tell you, man, that Alexander Payne fella. I've always liked the movies he's made with uh, with uh, him and his partner Jim. And uh, this one was his own. Uh, was his own. He directed it. He did not write it. And and maybe it's just me. I don't know if you saw it or not. But uh, I I kind of like bleak comedy. I kind of like it if it's done well, if it's balanced properly. The Coen brothers do it very well, and Alexander and Jim do it very well. But the amazing thing about this film, about Nebraska, that I thought anyways was that, and I just said thought with a New York accent. I don't know why. It was the only word in that sentence that I said that way, but I did it. Was that, you know, with digital film, I mean, it's very easy to knock out a movie. It's very easy to knock out anything with uh, with digital technology. But I think that Nebraska is the first black and white digital film I have seen where he really worked the tones, the tonal possibilities of black and white. I mean, there's you can't I don't think that shooting a black and white film should just be, you know, shutting off the color switch on the camera. And it seemed that Alexander Payne with Nebraska was really looking very full tone palette and also framing every shot almost every shot beautifully uh, on a photographic level. I mean, the Midwest can be bleak, and uh, he definitely captured that, and I think that uh, that using black and white was great. The whole thing was like a, an updated Dorothea Lang photograph in, in, in motion. But, uh, but I just thought it was stunning that there's such a difference between somebody paying an amazing amount of attention uh, to the tonal qualities of uh, black and white and also to framing, and then to have this story and to have Bruce Dern and Will Forte, who did a great job, and the woman who played his wife, now it's, it's eluding me. I'll talk to Will about it. I just thought it was a hilarious movie, but, uh, but also touching and stunning to look at because of the attention paid to actually working black and white. I think we take too much for granted, man. You know, black and white's important. It's like the last picture show, kind of like that. And uh, I do want to report that um, if it's okay with you guys, I've been dating a bit. And man, scary. A little scary, man. A little bit scary. As time goes on, the more relationships you have, bitterness is certainly possible. Bitterness paralyzed with fear might be another way to put it. Of being hurt or having the whole thing go to shit again is there and i'll tell you man i you know there's something about you know people who stay with one relationship their entire life for better for worse limit their contempt to an individual that means i think it's probably easier and this is i think for men and women to keep uh contempt intimate that if you stay in one relationship you know, for a good chunk of your life, you know, fortunately for you, you'll probably just hate that one man or that one woman on a very deep level. Hopefully your love will outweigh the hate or outbalance the hate. But you you sort of make your contempt intimate. Whereas I think if you go through a lot of relationships that either hurt you or disappoint you, the possibility for uh, misogyny and or uh, man-hating I think it's much higher. I think that to keep uh, contempt and hate intimate to the relationship you have by staying in it and working through stuff is probably better than being disillusioned and consumed with 
with anger over many relationships going wrong because then it's easy to say, fuck them all. So I guess the message here is uh, keep hate intimate, keep hate at home, and make sure that love outweighs it. (laughs) If you can. And if you've been through a lot of shit, (laughs) try to... Try to go into the next thing with an open heart. Good luck with that. Yeah. I'm in a new world right now, folks. I'm dating uh, age appropriately. And I'm a little bowled over by the situation. I feel like a fucking teenager and it's making me nervous. How's that? All right, look. Uh, let's talk to Will Forte, who is a, a, who's a, a great guy. And uh, it's another in a... Uh, Long line of SNL guests. But uh, his story is uh, is a little different than most. And uh, I'm wearing a bathrobe today with nothing under it. This might be a theme for the new year. Near nude or nude broadcasting. All right, here's Will Forte and me in the garage. Yeah, I've always done it, I've always done it out here. I, I st- the first few I did in New York in a studio. But then from there on out... Once I moved here, occasionally I'll travel to people. Who you were not who, one of those people. That's all right. I don't. Just, <laughs> I, I was not coming to you, Will. <laughs> I'm not upset. I know my place. No, I, it's not a placing. <laughs> if you were really old or really uh, like Jack Nicholson, I would go to Jack. You travel to Jack. Yeah, Nicholson. wouldn't you? Yeah. For, oh, any, yeah. for anything, right? Yeah. If oh. Jack said Jack wants you to come over because he wants you to look at his yard, yeah, I'll go. I'll go. Yeah, <laughs> of course. <laughs> I want you to come look at my yard and pay me $1,000 to do it. <laughs> okay. okay. Yeah. yeah. That sounds great. Can I bring a camera? <laughs> yes. You haven't met him though, have you? I just got to meet him uh, through Nebraska. He was buddies with Bruce, Bruce Dern. back in the day. So he threw to Bruce a screening. Come on. Like I had a screening and invited a bunch of friends. At his house. Really except No, at... Uh, uh, WME? Or whatever, uh-huh. whatever agency he's with. Uh-huh. Uh, at their screening place. So Jack was at the screening. Yeah, he introduced the screening, and then like Mickey Rooney was there. Mickey Rooney. Uh, yeah, I didn't even know he was still alive. Yeah. Oh yeah. my God. Who else? It Who else from amazing. the the uh, old crew? Uh, Peter Fonda. Right. Um, those are the main. Oh, Bud Court was there. Oh, really? Uh, was uh, Bill Hader? Yeah, Bill Hader. I know from the seventies. Bill Hader's one. <laughs> He's one of that crew back in Laurel. I heard Canyon. Sean Penn was there, but I didn't. I never saw him. There were, How big was the screening room? How could you not see him? It was uh, like theater size, probably four hundred people. I would. Think. Oh, really? Yeah, something like that. The agency actually. My mom one. was there too, so I was trying to take care of my mom, and then it, you know it, it, it. How old's your mom? She's seventy. Just turned seventy. You mean just take care of her, make sure she was seated, and yeah, I just wanted to make she doesn't know anybody there, so I wanted to make sure that that uh, <laughs> well, me, make sure she was around. sitting, not sitting next to Peter Fonda, yeah. or that was going to get weird. <laughs> I saw Nebraska, and I loved it. Oh, thanks, man. I you know I wouldn't say that. I would I would be if I didn't like it. I would have said something like, "I thought you were good." I mean, I really <laughs> thought that what you did, some of the stuff you were doing, was really good. Thank you. <laughs> That'd be the horrible way. No, I liked everything about it. Thank you. Uh, I thought you were great. I thought I thought that he did something with um, with digital black and white that really hasn't been done yet, which is really considerate as as uh, you know as as black and white film in a way. Like yeah. I think a lot of times you see black and white stuff that's shot on video. It just looks like they turn the color off and yeah. they just you know they're just doing it for effect. But yeah. I think he really went out of his way to frame everything beautifully and push the uh, 
the uh, the contrast in a really nice way, so everything looked like a like a photograph was stunning. Yeah, it's it, it really does look like a lot of Ansel Adams. Yeah, or the, who was the one that came from? Right, who was the one that did all those Dust Bowl photos? Dorothea Lang, those kind of oh, photographs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that too. Yeah. But yeah, with the skies like Ansel Adams. Yeah, so you yeah. notice that. Oh yeah. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah, it's beautiful. So walk me through the whole process because I mean this movie is. Are you you're you're primarily known as a comic guy. You're a funny fella, SNL whatnot, but not many funny guys really make a transition like this. Really, I mean this was a real acting role. It was not. I mean the movie has comic moments, but you in, are in no way uh, a comedic character. So how just because you went to con with this thing, didn't you? Did yes. you go? Yeah, you were there. So this is a big thing for you. I mean, you've never been to oh, any of this it, shit. It is such a uh, collection of things that I've never. Just a collection of new experiences. So okay, Everything. so yeah, where did it, how did like when did it first? Let's walk through the whole Nebraska process and then we'll go back with the other stuff. Okay. So you're just a guy. You've done the MacGruber movie. You've done some TV. You've you've appeared in movies. You're you're a, a comic among comics. Uh, with your generation, with Hater and those guys, and you're just sitting around, and how does Nebraska happen? Okay. I have an agent named Joe, yeah. and she sent me this script, said, you got to read this script. Uh, Alexander Payne uh, uh, would look at a submission if you submitted something. So it was her idea in a way. She said, you know, maybe Will's good for this. Yes. And I and I know Payne, he's, you know, that's what agents do. Good yeah, ones. and she yeah. made it seem like he was interested in a tape for me when essentially after after you get to know him, you just realize <laughs> he'll look at anybody's tape. Right. So so he I don't think she ever said, "Hey, I got this guy so Will Forte, a, do you know him? Because he had never heard of me oh, right. before this. Oh, and, oh that's, that's and, interesting. Uh, so she, that was yeah. a good agent move. Yeah. He wants so to see a change. She just knew that he'll look at anything that's sent to him. So <laughs> so I was like, oh my God, Alexander Payne wants to see this. So I better, I gotta, like, he's yeah. probably waiting for this. Yeah, yeah, So yeah, I yeah, better yeah. hurry. Um, so you built this relationship in your head. Yeah. I, he wants to see me? Okay, yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, uh, even, even, I just still thought there's no way I would ever get this part. But the script, I loved the script. It was great, and I'm a huge fan of his. What resonated with you, uh, with the script? I mean, like you were, you were. It was for that part. It was not for the other brother. Right. You were reading for that part. Yes. For, what was it? What was his name? It, uh, David. David. David Grant. David Grant. Now, all right. So you're looking at that thing, and it moved you somehow. Yeah, I uh, my grandpa on my mom's side was w- very similar to the the Woody character, the uh, the part that Bruce, Bruce Dern. Dern? Plays. Oh, really? Yeah, it really. Uh, I mean, a, a lovable version uh-huh. of that. Like, it, it didn't talk a lot, um, so you could be, be very frustrated with him, uh-huh. but still love him. Right, you're just not getting much communication wise. So, so it just felt very familiar to me. Oh, good. Um, yeah, and also a lot of the family. Dynamics, not not necessarily the the uh, the mother father brother brother right. relationship, but the a lot of like the aunts and uncles, the cousins. There was something about my that grandpa's brothers and sisters that felt like a lot of the conversations that were had in this movie, even though they were in Modesto, California, and, Modesto. and this all takes place in Nebraska. It seemed like like that car conversation, right? I had heard a million times. Well, is it interesting too? Also, when you meet your grandparents siblings where you're like what were they like when they were people yeah like when they yeah. were running around being things yeah like you can't you know that you it's a, it's a very odd thing and i remember from a very young age when you meet your grandparents you're like were you ever like sp- you know running around doing things yeah 
and you see pictures from them in the war, like you were a guy then, a little guy. It's interesting now to look at yourself. I've seen my parents as they're getting closer to right. what I remember of my grandparents, and just following that cycle of life and and realizing your own place in that and going, oh my God, I'm about where my parents were. I'm moving, that, right. I'm seeing they're laying out this trek yeah, this this track for me, and I'm gonna, you know, hopefully, if I don't, you know, yeah, something weird happens. Yeah, th- yeah. Then I'll I'll go there too, and you just kind of see how it all happens. It's how very old are you? Interesting. Forty three. Yeah, but I just turned fifty, and and I'm not really feeling a transition. You, you don't have kids or anything, do you? I don't have kids. Yeah. Yeah. So I so there's nothing you know there every day reminding me that uh, my life yeah. is fading away. In a way, to, not to be cynical, but. But lately, I'm like, I have to tell myself, like, I'm 50. I earned this. Yeah. I earned whatever. You know, I may not feel it or, or act like one, but I earned this You, place. I would never guess that you were 50 years old. You really? very, very young. Well, I, yeah, that's because I, 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 don't, uh, I don't take on any uh, heavy responsibilities that involve other <laughs> we'll people. Keep doing it. Can't handle keep a relationship. I got no kids. <laughs> it's keeping me young. It's spirit. Yes. All right. So you read this thing. You did, and how do you make the tape? Uh, just recorded my girlfriend at the time, uh, did the, the Bruce Dern lines in kind of an old man voice, uh, and film me doing it with, with one of those, what are they called? The little flip cams? Oh yeah. The flip Flip cameras. Oh yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. And, uh. And that was it? Yeah. I probably did each scene 10 or 12 times. With your girlfriend going, hello. Yeah. Yeah. She's great. She's a great actress. Yeah. Uh, uh, and, and, uh. Sent them in to, you know, I, I thought, oh, this this isn't that bad. This is pretty good. This yeah. is, you know, but uh, I don't know. I yeah. just, I didn't, I'm just not uh, used to that kind of stuff. So I didn't know if, oh, is that, is this really good? Is it, is it kind of lame? How will somebody like Alexander Payne look at this? Well, right. But you mean that kind of stuff like uh, uh, serious acting? Yeah. Like I know... Well, I mean, I don't know. I know when I'm happy with something comedically. Because you know where the laughs are. Right. Or they're supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah. And you go, oh, I, I really felt good about that. But with this, it just was, oh, that feels pretty good. But I don't, you know, what I, my, I don't have a very well-tuned gauge. Were you conscious of doing something differently in, in terms of when you were reading with your girlfriend? Where because you you know that there's no there's no laugh line so there's no decision to be made about well that's the funny part and then if I make this choice that'll be funnier what what other what'd you put into place did you just were you more yourself yeah I was just playing it as myself right. trying to trying to be as I guess as real as, emotionally as authentic because I thought like I don't know try not to act too much I right guess. right yeah 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 just uh, just feel it. Yeah. Yeah. But you didn't grow up with uh, alcoholism or any of that? Uh, no. I mean, you know, little, little, uh, nothing d- direct. Uh-huh. Yeah. Because like that, I mean, that in the movie, I thought that was an interesting moment where you learned that your character, you know, is struggling with drinking on some level. Like yeah. it made a decision to stop for whatever reason. Yeah. And his, you don't really know why his marriage is not working or his, or, well, you, yeah. the girlfriend thing, it's cause of marriage or this or that, but just being lost. Yeah. untethered yeah like uh, i'm always fascinated with scripts and with stories where where there it, there's a emotional logic to the generations like y- it was clear that you were his son there was very specific reasons that's just good r- writing i think oh yeah the, the the script is great and you know the connection stuff like when you say that right there it's you know i'm 
43 and yeah. I'm not married, never been married, yeah. don't have any kids. So, yeah. it's, you know, in a way I'm kind of sure. floating a little <laughs> bit. And, yeah. the, you know, I'm, I'm career wise, things are, have been very, uh, you know, with, with this fantastic, yeah. I mean, how, how exciting to get to be a part of this movie, but, yeah. but, uh, you know, so I'm, I'm happy, happy with that stuff, but, but like that whole other side of my life is just a mess. Yeah. Not a, not a mess, just is not hasn't come together <laughs> yeah. uh, in, yeah. in the way that I, I thought it would. Right. Growing up as a kid, you just see your parents, uh, their whole uh, situation. You think, oh, that's that'll be my situation. That's like, a, I'll get married at twenty three, and I'll have my first kid at twenty five. Yeah, and my second kid at twenty seven. Right, and then yeah. twenty three comes, and yeah, then twenty five comes and yeah, goes. I'm supposed to have happen. a baby right now. Yeah, this is when I'm supposed to have a baby. You actually have a biological clock that you're yeah. in the back yeah. of your head. That, so. that, well, my parents are very young too, but I think that uh, they're probably uh, kind of of the same generation. It sounds like, give or take a few years. That's just what they did. Yeah, I mean, they weren't. They, they, it wasn't sort of like I'm gonna. I got career things to worry about. I'm not ready for this yet. They just did that. Yeah, it was almost like uh, with no second thought. Yeah, I'm just gonna pop out some kids and build the thing. Yeah. Well, how? But how was your? How much? So what do you got? You got brothers, sisters? Got one sister. She's two years older. She uh, started having kids, so that's been wonderful oh, that's a little to bit get of, to yeah. have this niece and nephew. And, but that's also and, a uh, reminder that like, I what? Where's my life? That's what? those should be my kids. Yeah. <laughs> And they should be ten years older, both of them. Uh, yeah, so it's been it's been really fun to see her go through that and get to get to uh, be an uncle. Well, what's your obstacle? You think? I don't know. I think I think the obstacles are fading away. Yeah. Um, well, you can't say like oh, I'm still working. I got to earn a living, and I don't know my career. Well, you know, it's weird because I don't think it was ever. I don't think it was ever uh, uh, that I was focusing too much on. Uh, work stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't think that was that mm-hmm. was what stopped it. Um, I think it was just I, definitely there is there is some OCD in my system, and for a long time I just thought that that oh that just affects the things that I are very clear that it affects like the checking the stove right checking the faucets before right. I go out making sure the doors are locked right. Uh, Do you ever go back like to make that. sure your house isn't on fire? Well, not usually because I do a really good job thorough. leaving. You throw a checklist? <laughs> yeah, so I always I always know. You, wait, how long have you had this? A long time, and I don't ever use my stove. And I check I, it. I have the same thing. Religiously. Yeah. But then after a while, you realize, oh, these things are also present in other parts of my life that I, as you get older, you realize, oh, this OCD stuff affects how I am in relationships, affects- Like how? Uh uh well like like uh here's an here's this doesn't have to do with relationships but yeah like in leaving uh a party yeah it takes me forever to say goodbye because i want that closure on every gotta be thorough oh, I say goodbye to them i want to make sure i say goodbye to them it's like I, I i like i want a the happy ending of a movie you're compulsively polite conversation that i've had <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it's a sickness of a, a polite but sickness. if you leave a party and you're like oh i didn't say goodbye you gotta go back Run back in. No, hey, sorry, sorry. But so I will, you, okay. in my head, I'll go like, I'm going to send that person a text tomorrow and say, sorry, I didn't get to say goodbye <laughs> or something like well, that. that's it, a good OCD. No, I know. No, it, it, it can be. Yeah. But, but not when you're, when you're in a relationship with somebody and you're taking up time 
with these. And, and a lot of times these will be people that maybe I'm not super good friends with. Right. I mean, if I'm really good friends with somebody, they're not going to care if I say goodbye. You know, I'll see them again. Yeah. I'll say, oh, you left early. I didn't get to say, say goodbye. And it's like, they, they don't care. Yeah. And if it's, and sometimes I'll put myself in a position of like, oh, that person left this party without saying bye to me. Did I care? No, not at all. So why would I think they would care if I did the same thing? Right. Um, but anyway, in it, so in a relationship, yeah, uh, you know, this all this energy will be devoted in uh, devoted to spending time worrying about making sure others are happy, right? That aren't as important as the the girlfriend should be to me. Okay. So as I get older, I realize, okay, I got to, uh, you know, you reprioritize and you, you, I'm also getting a handle on the OCD stuff. I mean, it'll always be there with me, but, but. So just, you're saying when, when you're, when you're with somebody else, when you're in a relationship with a woman that you, you you're kind of compulsively worrying about all these other things and you're, den- you're denying time to that. Yeah. There will yeah. be, there'll be things I'll do. I'll go out of my way to do favors for people yeah. that I don't know very well. Somebody will say, like the other day, so, oh, will you send a poster to my brother? And yeah. so I spent a half hour, yeah, uh, maybe an hour, right. d- dealing with getting the tube for the poster, this and that. And I've had this script I ha- I've had to write forever. And, yeah. and that's an hour then that I had to, that I'm behind on that. And then eventually I'll, that's going to come out of time that I would spend with, with my family at Christmas right. stuff you need to do. Yeah. Uh, people you need to be with, you get locked in with something else. Did, have you thought about, cause I have a little of it, you know, I have a little bit and it's odd because the character of David Grant, uh, is also, you know, the, you know, the, he's the child of an alcoholic, a chaotic father, uh, that was absent and, and emotionally erratic and uh, and you're the brother who's like who wants to make it okay, yeah, for dad, yeah, you know that you're the one that's going to show up, even though he's you know whatever, whatever, whatever. You you still feel that emotional connection to try to make it okay for a guy that is not never going to be okay. Really, yeah. he's just always going to be what he's going to be. Yeah, you know. But if you can do a little bit of something, it also make you feel better. Yeah. But I've had experiences with that. You ever think about where it came from or when it started manifesting itself? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I I actually did uh recently read a book on on narcissism. Mm-hmm. And uh which one? Uh The Wizard of Oz and other narcissists. Really? Is that a that's a it's not a self-help book. It's a it's just a fun book or it's what is it? It's just kind of a uh 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 it is a it's I guess it is a self-help book. Uh-huh. And why why would you read a book on narcissism? I went through a situation with where I was uh I knew a narcissist. <laughs> Let's put it that way. <laughs> and then in reading that, you a real one, not just someone who was narcissistic, but a real narcissist. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Scary. And uh and the interesting thing is I fit into the uh um, enabler, enabler, and and uh, uh, oh my god, I'm, I'm blanking on the the term. It's a really easy term, also codependent. Uh, yeah, codependent. Um, and what this book says is being uh, codependent like that is a form of narcissism, also. Right. Which Interesting. is because you you have this in your head. You're saying like, oh, I can 
help this person. Like you make yourself feel important by thinking, oh, I can, I will be the one to be right. able to turn this person right. into not. It's, 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 an, it's a draining thing, man. Yeah. I went through it recently. You're just, and, and it's, it's innate. So yeah. in order to stop it, it feels emotionally peculiar. Yeah. Like to know that like, I can't help that person. Not my job. Yeah. Yeah. I can't, it's, a, you know, this, this preexisted me. Uh, I, you know, it's unfixable. Can't change people. Yeah. Unless they're willing to change themselves. Yeah. It's like, it's just exhausting emotionally. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, oh, and it's, it's so sad. Yeah. But, but you did, the older you get, and you probably agree with me, you yeah. just realize like, okay, I can't, I can't fix everything. I can't, I, I have to, I have to be good to myself because yeah. in being good to myself, that will be being good to the people around me also. Like, like right. by all the people I care about, I will be able to be a better family member, friend yeah. to them when I, when I am, uh, uh, you know, clear of all this stuff. Yeah, or, or at least you know, able to make decisions around it. Yeah, you know, when the impulse occurs, you can you don't have to honor it. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. think there was a better way for me to have just described it. I didn't. I didn't do. But I think you know what I'm. You know. No. Yeah. Saying. If you keep the focus on you yeah. and and you you don't because the thing is is that like it, there's a sensitivity to it and, I, and maybe we share it. Like if you're a sensitive person, even if it's too sensitive. Uh, for whatever reason, and I think a lot of creative people are, is narcissists and and people who are emotionally predatory. Uh, we're, we're just, you know, we got signs on our head. They're like, that's the guy. Yes. We don't know it. They don't know it. But it it happens. Yeah. And it's almost it's 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 not serendipitous. It's it's actual emotional wiring, and people feel that innately. Yeah. And that's how you get into those situations. I, yeah. You know, I was just in one. And, uh, yeah, it's difficult to realize, like, you know, when you're the one going, like, why, you know, when you think it's not you, that to really identify that as, as an issue, it's tricky. Because you're right. I think sadness is, a, is, is what happens, is that when you, you can't honor your desire to try to fix somebody, yeah. it's, it is sad. Yeah, you know, because then all you're left with is empathy, you know, if you're relatively healthy. Yeah. 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 You want this person to be happy and 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 you just realize oh there's you just have to give up eventually well that's interesting because this is your character i mean this is the journey of the character in nebraska did yeah. you know that uh it you know it's it's interesting because you it, did you learn so many that? things yeah i kind of i think i probably unconsciously uh -huh. knew it the whole time but but as you go through it and then look back and a lot of these lessons i was learning as the experience happen you know uh -huh. so there were it, it, it you know it, but now you look back and you go oh that's you i see so many parallels that you know where i've i've probably seen the movie 20 to 25 times now at yeah. different different uh festivals and stuff like that and it's it's interesting to see it so many times because you keep taking different things away from it you see things in the performances but that like the overall theme of the movie uh comes at you differently depending on the type of day you're having that right, right. day. So it's it's so interesting to see something so many times like that. Um but yeah, there there are a lot of little connections I've I've made and and it's it's also really fascinating because it's uh you know I have a great relationship with my my family but it's it just shows you like the little uh it just makes me want to be an even better family member. Yeah. So I I you know, it's, it's, uh, I don't know, all these things coming together. I, I feel like 
It's about the right time, man. Yeah. You know, no, yeah. I'm feeling good. You know, the it, I I felt I don't know. I don't want to say a little lost, but certainly I feel like I'm I'm evolving. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm you know yeah. I, I think becoming a better person, but but well you know. yeah or or more yourself. Yeah. Well, how did you grow up? I mean, what was the uh, what kind of kid were you? Uh, I was a really happy kid. I I my parents were wonderful created this very loving environment uh had a bunch of great friends yeah it was it was great yeah every step of the way i didn't want to end like i remembered junior high i didn't want to go to high school actually junior high wasn't a big deal because i was just going to high school what about earlier people what about like you know like like elementary school i i feel like i was always happy what was your interest uh the oakland raiders oh yeah that was a bit i wanted to be a football player from um, early on, yeah. So oh, yeah, yeah. you weren't like an artsy kid. Uh, I would, I would, I'd, I have tapes of doing old radio shows, just making up radio shows. I love Doctor Doctor Don. Do oh, Doctor Doctor Don, Donald Don, Lee Rose. Was he out here? He was a Northern California guy. Where were you growing uh, up then? Where outside were... San Francisco. Uh huh. So he was a, which uh, town? Uh, Lafayette. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Lafayette, oh, Mar- Moraga. Till I was thirteen, then Lafayette. There used to be a gig in Lafayette. I lived oh. in San Francisco for two years. Where, yeah, where, right by in in Walnut Creek, right? Yeah, Wasn't it? Well, there's a punchline in Walnut Creek. Yeah. Yeah. Right on the border of yep. Lafayette and Walnut Creek. Yeah, I did that. A great, great place to grow up. Yeah. You know, just close enough to the city, but the city didn't matter to me as a kid. Yeah. But, you know, once you, you're only 25 minutes away from the city, and it was a, a pretty fun, slow paced life. It's beautiful up there. It's beautiful yeah. Bay Area. What did yeah. your old man do? Uh, he was it worked in the city in the financial industry. He was like oh, yeah. a stock analyst, and oh yeah, yeah, still. No, now he's just like a ski bum. <laughs> he lives up at the base of Squaw Valley and skis all the time. Really, he loves it. He loves it. So he's, he retired. Yeah, yeah. So he's a and ski he's, bum. He's not like you know. He's he's got some bread. He's, he just, is. This is how he's living seven, it out. Seventy years old and skis like every day. And his dad, who's still alive, and is ninety five skied until he was like 89 sturdy he doesn't people. ski as much as he was a way more of a golfer he he doesn't golf i actually no he doesn't golf anymore but but uh but he skied until he until he was 89 i think my dad is you know god willing he'll he'll be doing the same thing and your folks are together not together how they long divorced like 20 years ago so was, you're already grown up yeah i was just it was it was I always wonder, I'm really happy they didn't get divorced when I was a kid. Yeah. But then this was a weird time also because I was just graduating from college. Yeah. And I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. And in my head, I was like, at least I have this wonderful family. (laughs) 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 Then I get the phone call. And it's still, you know, it's still, you have a wonderful family, but it's, but it's, it's it's different. You know, it's just, you have to adjust to, to, uh, now where do I stay when I go home? Yeah. Yeah. Now I got to, like, I got to see where my dad's living. Yeah. It's a weird transition. Now the great thing though is they're, they're, uh, they're all buddies and, and they, are they both remarried? Uh, my mom has never remarried. My dad remarried and, and re-divorced and, uh, we'll all spend, uh, Christmas together. Really? And and have a great time. Like it's, they, you know, it took a little while, but, but, uh, but the, we're all it, the four of you, uh, yeah, huh? 
And it's really fun. They, and he's, he is a wonderful grandpa. Mom's a wonderful grandma. And, and, uh, it's, it's really fun to all have at least a little bit of time where we're a family unit again. It's very diplomatic and yeah. nice. Yeah. Wait, so they just, now they're just buddies. They're okay. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. And the, the, the oddest thing, the thing that brought them together, uh, uh, was the, his new wife, uh, and they're not together, but he is still friends with the, that ex-wife also, but, but she is this wonderful, wonderful woman. And, uh, and my mom and dad had to be in the same place at the same time. Yeah. And for an uh, event. God, now I feel bad. I'm totally talking. <laughs> so I hope none of their friends are listening to this. <laughs> it's all good. Um, yeah. Thinking. But they, but they, uh, they, were for, you know for some event like yeah. like a a wedding or yeah, something yeah, yeah. they had to be in the same place at the same time my mom got to talking with my dad's uh wife yeah. Valerie and yeah. they became really good buds huh. and and uh and that brought every, it was it was so great it's... and that and and that <laughs> that brought her and my dad closer and it's so fun to see them together cuz they have a really fun relationship and, you remember it yeah that's a that's a very sweet story. Yeah, there's no sadness there. Nothing dark about it. Nothing dark. That's unbelievable. Except for the dark stuff, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all light. Mom, Dad, I love you. No, they're still married. They're my parents. Are still married. I was joking. Oh yeah. Oh good. No, good been, save. They've been. Yes. <laughs> what did you? What did your mom do when you were growing up? She uh, she was a teacher and then gave that up to to raise us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's sort of, sort of straight up middle class upbringing. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just uh, you and your sister. Me and my sister. Dad, what? dad did uh, pretty well financially, and and uh, uh, put us both through college, and and we never had to worry about that stuff. He, it was a deal where if we got really good grades, yeah, he would pay for our education. Uh-huh. And, and if if we didn't, then we'd have to you know start paying our own way. But but uh, you know, I thought, oh, that's a pretty good deal to to just get good grades i wanted to get good grades anyway so. well you seem like a pretty practical fellow you couldn't have been pursuing anything too abstract what what were you studying i was I, I didn't know what i wanted to do and and his advice to me which i followed was just uh do a general you know i, I was a history major so he said just keep it general and then you can figure out what you want to do and then you'll you know yeah go down that that path and what'd you end up it's interesting because alexander Payne is uh in doing a bunch of Q and A's for the movie, I hear him give that same advice. He'll say that his advice to people going into, even if they want to be a filmmaker, yeah. take a, be a history major or something, yeah, uh, English, English lit, yeah, anything, and then go to film school and learn. He said, you know, you can always learn to make movies, but you know, get a. A, a very broad education, a foundation, yeah, liberal exactly arts education. What my dad would tell me, yeah, uh, and so that's what I did. And when you graduated, what were you like what, that day of graduation? You're like, here we go. I what's what are we gonna do? Well, I I did what my dad did. I went to it was got the name changed so many times. Smith Barney uh-huh. or Smith Barney Shearson or uh-huh. maybe it was Shearson Lehman Brothers when I got there. But it was I was working for this guy, uh, cold calling for him. And just wasn't, it wasn't for me. Um, but I was, I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I would sit there. I think I started writing while I was working there. Um, with what in mind? I don't know. I, I, I know I wrote a, a, uh, 
a movie script, uh-huh. a feature length script. What'd you do? Read Sid Field's book and no, just, then... just started, just, you just started. Oh, okay. Uh, didn't have any, uh-huh. you know, this is before final draft even existed, right, I right. guess. So yeah. I, I, we would just kind of approximate where we would get a script and try to approximate where the dialogue should be. You were writing with someone else? Yeah. This woman, Anne. Yeah. And, uh, wrote a script and, and then the guy asked me, the guy who I was working for asked me to, uh, he said he would, uh, pay for me to do the series seven. Uh huh. And, uh, and he wanted me to join up with him as a, like a junior partner to him. To do a bank, uh, brokering or yeah. whatever it is. And then I was it clear what it, it was, was at that point. I realized, like, if I if I did that with the, the, the my general personality, I would that would have been it. Yeah, I would, there's no way I would ever commit to that. Go through this guy's test and then ever leave him. I would just I would my sense of duty, and loyalty. Yeah, loyalty yeah, like and OCD. To, yeah, would have forced you to do the best you could for that guy. Yeah. <laughs> And like, so, so I, I, I said, all right, I'm going to try, I'm going to try to do comedy and went to the, went to the groundlings. But that was the hardest thing was, was, uh, telling my family that I wanted to go into comedy. Right. Did they see you as a funny guy? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, they, they always, I was, I always was, uh. Weird, I guess you'd say, you know, weird and, and, uh would push the envelope with them a little bit. Uh, uh, I mean, I, you know, certainly was not a trained comedian. The weird thing for me, it was, was telling them I wanted to do it because it, to me, it felt like by even saying that you wanted to go into comedy was, was almost like bragging that you thought that you were funny enough to make it in comedy. So that was hard for me to, to, to make that statement. Right. But then I finally just said, I got to do this or I'm going to go crazy. And I told them and they were supportive, incredibly supportive. Well, it's interesting for a guy with OCD that likes having some order or at least some sense of control in his life. The fact that you were able to turn your back on an opportunity, not not because you didn't want to do it, but more so because you knew if you got into it that you wouldn't be able to pull yourself out because you thought you owed the guy something or that you wanted... (laughs) Like, I'm going to spend my life just paying this guy back for dragging me into a life I didn't want. That you had, yeah. had enough foresight to know that, like, oh. not only is it not for me, but if I do do it, I'll never leave it. Well, and it was, I mean, I was, I was w- waking up. I was stressed out. I woke up knowing that this was the wrong thing for me from the very beginning. So comedy, though, that I mean, that that offers no real uh system or 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 process yeah uh, that that didn't cause you aggravation or fear or anxiety that was why writing was always uh uh you know i would when i was going through the groundling system so much of it is out of your control you know you try to do the best you were what 21 22 by that point probably 24 Uh when i started started the you know you got to go through several levels before you get to the performing right to the stage um, who was in it when you were there? It was uh, like Maya Rudolph and Jim Rash. They were the main stage? And, or they, oh, yeah. when I, when I, I, I went to a Sunday show when I first signed up for the classes. Yeah. It was Will Ferrell, uh, yeah. uh, Sherry O'Terry, Chris Kattan, and then like a month or two later, they all got uh, called up to SNL. Uh-huh. Um, so that was exciting. And, yeah. And 
then, you know, spent the long process of going through the system. But the people, yeah, the people who I went through it with were all like Cheryl Hines and Nat Fax and Jim Rash, Maya Rudolph, Oscar Nunez. Uh, wow. Just a, bu- a bunch of people of, you know. Uh, they were starting out with you at the Groundlings. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's exciting. Yeah, it was. It was, uh, and you had no idea anybody was gonna be any, like the fact yeah. that that they're the the delivery or what's the word I want the success rate of people placing themselves in show business. I mean, just the fact that that was your crew. Yeah, it's pretty phenomenal. Yeah, the, yeah, uh, it was. It, it, I mean, there's uh, a lot of people whose names you don't remember. I'm sure. Yeah, but and, I mean, it, 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 it's it is pretty. It's really cool to look back on all these these people and you know it and they had such an effect on the stuff that i did and and i you know i'm i'm sure that in the same way that they affected my stuff i probably did there so it's you know there's such a huge part of of this whole experience for me so going through this thing through the groundlings and and sort of learning you know through sketch because i came up as a stand-up you never did any stand-up when did you start doing stand-up and you were you lived in new york right no, I've lived in a lot of places. I started, you know, after college, I was out here for a year. Then I went back to Boston and started in Boston. I started working professionally in Boston. I went to New York. And then uh, I left New York and went to San Francisco for a couple of years. And then I went back to New York with a job. So I lived in several cities doing it. But it was all I did. I, I was never a sketch person. Yeah. You never did stand-up? I tried it three times. Yeah. I did a couple open mics. Yeah. And then... Before you did Groundlings? Uh, kind of as I was going through the system, but yeah. once I made it to the the groundling stage, it just it was clear that the stand up I was not good at it. Yeah, and then I did a couple a couple years later. I did some uh, like I did Largo once uh-huh. with my buddy Mike Schwartz. Mark Largo when it was on Fairfax. Yeah. Uh huh. And and uh, Mike Schwartz, who's this awesome writer and really funny comedian, he uh, had. Was it? I think it was Lisa Langang. Yeah, had ha, he had a slot. Yeah, that that, he, that she had given him. Yeah, and so so he said, "Do I want to do something with him?" And we did. We did something. It was way more sketch like than right. than uh, than stand up. So, uh-huh. so uh, but but yeah, that was like the only other time I did it. So going through the the sketch process, so it seems to me that what you what you stand to find, like, were you able in working with all these other people, you know, doing you know improv and sketches. What did you figure out? I mean, do you, what what do you think is your what's your type? Like, if you if we're gonna like talk like Comedia della Arte or two, like I mean, I I mean, I've seen your work, but who do you work best off of? What do you think is your strong suit comically, comedically? I I would I would say I'm patient, uh huh, and willing to wait, yeah, and will. I, I would say I'm a uh, a risk taker. Yeah, I I I, I, I think. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Do you know there's something inside you that you can turn on to be funny? Like I know that sometimes. No, I'm I'm a, a weird combination of uh, I have a real sense of belief in myself at the at the very core, uh-huh. and then tons of insecurities that cover it up. So so I will. That's interesting. It, it's you know it's it's and sometimes those insecurities are are like just you know there are layers and layers and layers and sometimes sometimes there are just a few little I mean usually there are very rarely is there nothing but belief yeah 
Um, yeah, but but there's something but every once in a while that happens. Yeah, but it's but I don't know. I'll I'll just I don't know. I guess the main thing that I would that I would uh, say is that I I I will stick to my guns on yeah, stuff. Yeah, if I believe in it, I'll stick yeah. to my guns. Are you more comfortable in a character? Uh, that was what made this Nebraska thing, uh, interesting is that, yeah, I, I, absolutely. That's why stand up was hard because you're, when you're doing stand up, yeah. you're, if people don't like it, they're not liking you. If you're, <laughs> if you're like at the groundlings, you yeah. can, you can chalk it up to the character. Oh, they didn't like that character, but I could do a different character. So it was, it was, yeah, it was, it, it was, uh, that was a little, crutch you know you throw a mustache on and all of a sudden you're yeah, sure you're if you're not funny it's the mustache that's not yeah, funny yeah, <laughs> it absorbs yeah. every right right now, if I had not, yeah yeah if i had just <laughs> taken that thing off or yeah. not figured out you know not done that one thing over and over again it would have been fine yeah but it's not so really this, you so nebraska was so weird because it was i mean it's a you know it's absolutely a character but it's it, it essentially it's is it close is it to will? who I am, and I mean, as <laughs> yeah, we've discussed, yeah, so, yeah. so you feel really, really, really vulnerable, right? I, I felt that. I feel it now. <laughs> but uh, the uh, but but it's great that from all the stage work and from you know, but SNL and, and everything else, but the confidence that you're talking about, I think it seems just from from doing what little work I've done in in, in acting is that. You know, being really present and having that thing that you say you have at the core, which is some sort of confidence or belief in yourself, if you can be present, and it, that's 90% of it. Yeah. If you can be emotionally present for what's expected in that moment uh, for a scene or, or for uh, a, it's, that's, that's no, a rare thing. Absolutely right. That's, I mean, that's, and that's, it's, it sounds, it sounds so easy yeah. <laughs> when you say it like that. It's like, of course. It's not. It's of weird. Course. Some and people then, can't do it. And Bruce would always say that. Bruce Dern would say that the whole time. Like, just be in the moment. Be in, and, and it's like, yeah, of course. I know. I know, Bruce. You know, and, and it just seemed like kind of. Why was he dramas. saying that? Were you going like, I'm not doing a good job. How come I? No, no, no. It was It was just, <laughs> he, was, he, you know, he's he is wonderful and just tells the best stories and he's. Really talks all all the time. He's either telling a story or giving advice, or he's wonderful and was really good to me. But then, in 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 the course of of talking, uh, you know, he would either be he would never be lecturing. It would sure. always be either in the form of a compliment. I thought you did the. I thought you did did that scene very well. Uh, you're doing great. You know, just you know, you're you're really in the you're in the moment. I it felt very true and it, and it, and, but yeah. So it, constantly he would always be talking about this truth, the truth of the scene and and being in the moment, and it's and it really in this very much registered what he was talking about at the the more and more I went along the Nebraska. Uh, journey. Uh, All right, so let's go back to that. So, okay, so you turn in your tape, yeah, to uh, to your agent mm-hmm. who sends it on to uh, Alexander. Yep. And then what happens? Well, I, I, you know, I didn't expect anything to happen, so I just almost immediately forgot about it you know it just i sent it off because it happens it, it kind of happens all the time right when you have all, yeah. It, yeah yeah and I, I and you know if it was if it was 
a comedy movie, yeah. I might have checked in on it. Right, but you thought it was a long like, shot. Hey, did anything ever happen? Yeah, I just thought there was no way I would ever yeah. get this uh, part. So yeah. I, you know, I felt mm-hmm. good. Like, okay, now my agent will get off my back to submit this tape, right. and now I can just do whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and then four and a half months went by, and then all of a sudden, I, I just, I went to Jamaica. Um, on vacation, on vacation there in Jamaica, yeah, drinking planters punches. I did get high once, and I then I had to stop because I'm just a bad pot smoker. I just am not good at it. Um, <laughs> what happened? Oh well, I went. I, I went. There was this. This uh, was reggae involved. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was too much. It was too much Jamaica. Uh, it was good. The planters' punches were enough for me. It was right. oh, it was so you drank, trip. so you were alcohol and then weed, and then that you just got it. And then I came back to America and landed, and I had all these missed calls from my agents saying like, "Where are you, Alexander Payne? Uh, read your or saw your saw yeah. your submission and yeah. wants you to come in in person." Yeah, and it was the most exciting thing uh, out of nowhere. Then at that point, because you yeah, you know, not even thinking about it. Yeah. I don't, I, I, and and uh, yeah, certainly there was there was yeah. I I when I submitted the tape, I thought, oh, that's I don't know. Yeah, that's you all felt right. good about it. Yeah, but w- then when you do, you know, th- I wasn't waiting for it. And then when you don't hear anything for a couple weeks, it, then then it's just yeah, didn't happen. Oh, yeah, it didn't yeah. happen. Right. And then all of a sudden to get this call, it was out of nowhere. It was so exciting, and and then terrifying because then I had to actually go in and do it in person. Um, and, and then went in probably like a, a month and a half later, it felt like forever uh-huh. because I was, it was, I was ruining that, uh, situation. I uh-huh. just, I'm, I'm not very used to auditioning cause I was a writer for so long that I wouldn't, uh, when all my friends at the groundlings would be going in on auditionings and, and thickening their skins, I, I had rarely done that. So I, the one audition I had really done was was SNL. But so wait, now you, so you went to Groundlings and all those other people immediately went into performing and you went into writing. Well, I was doing Groundlings shows, but I was, I, I got a job on the Jenny McCarthy sketch show, uh, for MTV. And then I got a job on Letterman. Yeah. And then, uh, a bunch of sitcoms, uh, army show, um, action, third rock from the sun. You were on, you were with Ron Zimmerman on action. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. What was that like? It was, I mean, what an experience that, that it was, uh, what is the mythology around that show? Like what got out of control about that? I don't even remember anymore. I, I met Ron. There was a period there where after action, but it was a sort of like, uh, it was sort of mythologized as like, this was it, man. This was the, the real deal about show business and something went off the fucking tracks. Right. Well, it, it, it was, uh, Chris Thompson is an amazing writer and he wrote the, the pilot and then we all came together. He assembled this staff and Ron was part of the staff and Don Rio, who's the best yeah. you know Don Rio. Uh-huh. Uh, he, he is just this legendary, uh, showrunner. Um, and he came in, he like had all these great stories about uh, writing for Jackie Gleason. And it, it just, I cannot say enough about this guy. He's wonderful. Um, and then a bunch of other, uh, uh, younger writers, uh, Jesser and Silverstein were there. I don't know if you know them, the, uh, uh, the hamburger brothers, uh, Jimmy Valley. Yeah. He's, who yeah was Jimmy Valley on everything. Yeah. He's, he's been on everything. He was such a delightful person. Yeah, he is. Uh, yeah. uh, God, I'm, I know I'm forgetting people but i'm 
uh, anyway it was it was just a great show where where uh you could write scripts with swear words and adult content right. it was on fox and right. going to beep everything out um so we could you could just re- it was as if you were writing an hbo show and then yeah. of course and then then uh you know, then you would come in and you would hear, "Oh, you can't do this, right, you can't right. do that," and and certain, yeah, certain things. And I I understand it, and and then there were other little things, some uh, actors who wanted to change their or, or well, I don't want to you know right. name names, but we had to change some storylines around, uh, and it just little by little by little, it, it you know it it. Uh, but it it was just. It, an amazing experience. And you were like, what, 26, 27? I was probably 29. I I had given up on acting. I would just have an outlet at the Groundlings. I would do Groundlings shows. uh, And you were fine. You were working? Yeah. Yeah. I loved writing. It was great. So the SNL uh, thing was was just as unexpected as this Nebraska thing. It just came, I, I was doing a groundling show yeah. one night and all of a sudden there's a whisper that I heard, oh, Lauren Michaels is in the audience. Uh-huh. And and I was under contract at, at 70 show and we had just found out we got picked up for for two years, so. You were in. Yeah, I, 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 I had a great show that night because there was no way I could, do SNL even if Lauren liked you didn't me? Give so a shit. all these people are, you know, probably nervous about their show, and, yeah. and I, I, I was loose as a goose. Yeah, yeah. So I, I had a, a good show that night, and then he asked me to audition, and I hadn't even thought that that would ever be uh, uh, something that I could do, and and then Carsey Werner was. I wasn't even going to go. Carsey went to the production company in well, the 70s first, show? Yeah. Yeah, Carsey Werner yeah. And, and Mark Brazil, they all said, oh, you got to go auditioning. Yeah. And I was hoping, I wanted them to say, oh, no, you can't go audition because I was terrified <laughs> of it. Uh, anyway, so they finally, I finally just thought, okay, I got to go audition. Yeah. Um, and how was that? It was as terrifying as I thought. Did you have a meeting with him first? I didn't. I, I I did meet with him afterwards. So you auditioned in the studio? Auditioned in the studio. Yeah. What'd you do? I did uh, this character, Tim Calhoun. Yeah. Uh, who I did on the show a couple times once I got on it. And then uh, a speed reader uh-huh. uh, that I also did on the show. And uh, this prison guard. Yeah. Uh, I did a Michael McDonald impersonation. Uh, which nobody does, Michael uh, McDonald. So that was really the Doobie fresh. Brothers guy. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's like everybody's yeah. impression. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's better than mine. And then I did uh, Martin Sheen, and I don't oh. do a good Martin Sheen. I just don't do impersonations. Yeah. So that, uh, and then I did this sketch I used to do at the Groundlings. There was a song at the end of the sketch where it's about this gold man who who. Uh, panhandles and basically it's the the guy dressed all in gold and and if you give a dollar or something they'll do the robotic movement and a a robber comes and takes his uh <laughs> i hate those guys the guys that stand yeah, still yeah yeah so so a robber comes takes all his money and then he he is very sad and then somebody uh, uh, a little kid and the dad said, why is this gold man so sad? Well, I don't know, but if you give him a dollar, maybe he'll tell you. And if you give him $2, maybe he'll tell you in song. So the, the kid puts $2 in and I sing this really uplifting song about 
you know, the tough life of a gold man. And then at the <laughs> end, it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, you find out, uh, well, it's because I got a little secret. I suck cock for my face pain. I suck cock for my face pain. And then the rest of the song is just the words cock and face pain, basically. I suck cock for my face pain. Cock, face pain. Cock, 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 face pain. And it's just like cock, cock, face pain, face pain, cock, cock, cock. It's just like the probably 250 <laughs> times saying the word cock. And I did that at SNL as the final thing yeah. and then I walked out and Lauren was right there yeah. and and he said oh thank you for coming and I said uh, I'm, I'm sorry about all the cocks <laughs> I didn't know what else to say I was just like <laughs> and then <laughs> that was it and then I found out I got the job <laughs> I'm sorry about all the cocks sorry about all the cocks oh that's good yeah <laughs> nothing was... you got nothing not a smile I don't remember. It was just, uh, it was it was such a daze, and it was it's dark in the room too. Yeah, I think he just he's seen it all. So yeah. like, I think he probably just nodded. Yeah, okay. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's wonderful. Wait, so what? Uh, so wait, so you do the meeting with him? Yeah. So what was the meeting like? Was he nice? What did he say to you? Well, you're going to put on. Uh, do you mind wearing dresses and I, <laughs> change your hair? I you know I don't remember. I don't remember what the meeting was it definitely was not you got the job mm-hmm. it was just or maybe it was like sometimes sometimes uh i don't you know it was it, i think it was like uh could you see yourself living here right um but i it, to me i'm i'm so it, i think i think he was uh, kind of alluding to the fact that i was going to possibly be hired yeah but it's to me it's unless you say you have the job you are hired yeah you know you could say yeah. hey i'm might hire you and i'm taking out the word might <laughs> you'd have to that wouldn't it doesn't work with you you just have to say yeah. i am offering you a job so you didn't even know after your meeting with him you had no idea i had no idea right and i found out i think the next day from someone else from yes yeah Marcy or somebody, or somebody uh, on the cast. I forget. I have somebody called my agent. Like nobody, yeah. oh, uh, nobody okay. calls you directly, right? Um, and that's that's everywhere. You know. Uh, actually, Alexander called me. He called me when I got the Nebraska job. But that's but it's usually you hear from your agent. I think. Right. So okay. So the the point being is that you had no idea really how to audition because it was not your thing. You weren't used yeah. to taking the hits. So you're freaking out and you got to go read for Alexander. And who was in that room? Just Alexander and John Jackson, his casting director. No Bruce. No Bruce. So you do that, and then what happens? How'd that go? Uh, you know, it was it was fine. I felt like I felt very nervous. I felt like I could have done it a little better. Yeah. Um. But I. But afterwards, he was very complimentary. Uh. And and. That was really exciting because I still thought, oh, that's, this is something I'll never forget that when Alexander Payne told me he thought I was a good actor and that was, that's just something you're, you know, I was going to take that. I just thought, oh, that's it. That is, that is my prize here. I'm not going to get the part, but that's. And he said that. Yeah. He said, he, he. Yeah, he said something like that, and it was really, really exciting. And we talked for a while and got along very well. He's very easy to talk to. John Jackson's also incredibly nice, so that was 
that was uh, a really wonderful experience. And then I, I, but I just didn't know. Oh, is that what he says to everyone? Is he's, sure. he's a, sure. a gentleman and a yeah. nice person? So maybe he just, you know, it's hard to it's hard to audition and put yourself out there. So so I feel like. You know, I would probably say that to every person <laughs> that auditioned, even if they were horrible. You were great. You did yeah. a great job. Sure, you know? of course. Yeah. So I, I, I didn't know, and and then like a month later, found out I got the part, and it was without reading with Bruce at all. Right. I didn't. I met Bruce about a month later. At a I, table I, read? Uh, no. We just uh, we went and had a steak dinner, Bruce and Alexander and I. Good steak. The only time I've ever been there. I, I am a order fish at a steak place guy. Okay, so you order fish. Not all the time, but I'll usually have a bite of somebody's steak and go, why didn't I order this steak? Sure. It was good. Yeah, and then beat yourself up for it? Yeah. yeah. So what happened at that dinner? Was he, were you getting to know Bruce? What was the idea? Oh, it was so fun. But it, a little intimidating at the same time because they, uh, Alexander and Bruce have this really uh, wonderful shared knowledge of... Uh, old movies and, uh-huh. and even very peripheral actors who are in those movies like a, a you know oh you remember this person who came in and said this line and i i i i have such a bad memory that i will forget sometimes the the endings of movies that i have seen uh-huh. the day before uh-huh. um like winner's bone i saw i saw winner's bone Really liked the with movie. Je- with Jennifer, what's her name? With Jennifer Lawrence. Yeah. Loved the movie. And the next day, I couldn't remember how it ended. Yeah. And that is not, I'm not slagging, that. that's happened in a bunch of movies. That's just the one I can remember for sure. I remember the next day going like, geez, how how did that end? I how can't remember. And I don't remember. I don't remember either. And and I loved I that, that was, movie. It's, it, I loved it. There's Hillbillies and Speed involved. Yeah. Right? Yeah, she's wonderful. I have nothing but compliments, but I just—it's more. It's, it's weird. I got confused. Like I picture her in Winter's Bone, and it's confused with the with the Hunger Games now. Oh, like you know, she's doing something with a bow. All right, so you get the movie. You're talking to Bruce. Did you feel like you're being tested though, in some way to to get no, along with Bruce? Or not at all. Like and and in a lot of ways, it's it felt looking back, it's yeah. like oh, that's the well, that's not true because in in the movie he's Bruce is incredibly silent. Yeah. Um. But it, but it generally, you know, I, I, that was my place of just kind of uh, being respectful and and sitting there. So, so I was just, it was very fun because I realized, oh, I, I, what an exciting experience this is to get to be working with this director I have so much respect for, this legendary actor who's filled with all these great stories. But there was a, a little bit of nervousness in terms of like, uh, what, what will, am I. How am I, what is my communication going to be like with each of these guys? Like, I can't communicate on this level. I don't know. I don't have that knowledge of old film that they do. Uh-huh. And I just had to trust, like, uh, I'll find something to, some way to communicate with them. And it, obviously, I, you know, of and course, what, did of you course find we it? did. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. Bruce is like, a, he's like family now. Yeah. And it's been... So much fun, and you know Alexander, he's he's busy working the whole time. So it's so Bruce, I'm stuck in a car with him hours and hours and hours every day. So you, we got to know each other incredibly well. And Alexander, it's been really fun because, um, uh, you know, since making the movie, we've we've uh, uh, gotten to hang out a lot. Uh-huh. And it's really fun. Like I went to Omaha 
he's from there, right? He's from, yeah, he still lives for like half the year in Omaha. And so I went, there was a roast, uh, of, of Alexander in Omaha and he, uh, invited me to be one of the speakers, which was a huge honor. And then I, he invited me to stay with them also. So we had this wonderful four or five day period where we're hanging out every day. And, and it was, it was really fun to get to know him, uh, in the way that I, I felt like I had gotten to know Bruce, but you know, Alexander, he's got, you know, those directors, they're, they're, they're just calling all the shots. So he's, you know, there's very little, downtime where you get to right oh during uh, the movie yeah 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 around in the same way that two two actors between takes right yeah or yeah sitting in a trailer running lines or just like waiting a lot of waiting yeah all right so okay so you shoot this movie and you spend a lot of time in nebraska and the woman who plays your mother is spectacular june squibb holy shit yeah she's great you know she's the the uh jack nicholson's wife right in about schmidt yeah right i didn't realize that until this morning yeah and yeah. she's amazing because she's so different in that movie from Dude, how that, she is that in this movie. That scene in the graveyard is fucking great. That's the very first thing she did too. That she, was like, you know, I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but that she's that's spectacular. Wonderful. Yeah. So you go to Khan now, yeah. and that so this whole world. I mean, you were you know, I mean, you did the MacGruber film, but that was specific. Yeah. I mean that, yeah. that you know that that's you know you your peers all do those kind of movies. You know, and you knew what to expect from that. It's an odd movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we we are super proud of that movie. We love it. Turned out exactly how we wanted it to, which sounds crazy if you've seen it. <laughs> you go, that's what you wanted it to turn out into. Uh, but but yeah, it, you know, uh, it it's hard when you're proud of something and a lot of people don't see it because then you have to really. You know, what was go the primary your... problem with it? From from know. other people's point of view, I don't know. You know. <laughs> I mean, it's, it, definitely it's not for everybody. We didn't make it for everybody. We yeah. made it for ourselves. We Who's thought we? if we stick to our guns, uh, Yorma Taconi, who uh, uh, wrote it and, yeah. and uh, with with John Sol- John Solomon, Yorma Taconi, and me. We yeah. all wrote it together. Yorma directed it. Yeah. And John is a great director in his own right. So uh-huh. he also, you know, was was uh, like the, this invaluable directing uh, sidecar. Side Do you want to direct? Uh Yes and no. I mean, I it, it put at your a certain OCD point, to if good you use. Asked that if you asked that a long time ago, I would have said, "Oh, for sure, it's very important." But but I've I've also I used to be a huge control freak, and now I've I've realized that like you know if I as long as I'm working with somebody that I trust, you know, when yeah. you trust somebody, I'm I'm able to trust now. Yeah, and and before it was like, oh, I can't. I can't. You, if you want it done right, you got to do it yourself. And Where'd like, that control Alexander freak? Payne knows how to do it. Yeah, you right, know, so sure. I don't have to. I can. Yeah. Yeah, you learn to work with others, and you learn to, you know, say, yeah. I mean, trust someone else's vision, especially if yeah. you're someone with a vision. Yeah. yeah. Where's the control three thing come from? You know, have you ever tracked it? I mean, was there chaos somewhere back there? I don't know. There must be something. Your dad wasn't nuts. Your mom wasn't nuts. No. <laughs> Nobody was nuts. <laughs> Nobody was nuts. I. You know. I, I don't know. No. I don't know. I think maybe it just comes from a general anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. So you go to con. What was that like? Oh, it was awesome. I mean, that's it not like it. It's scary. It scared me also. It's, it's, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit of a fish out of water in those situations. And, uh, you know, I don't, I'm not a fancy dresser. So I, I, uh, Did you have to buy some stuff. Yes. <laughs> I, I am a, cause I mean, nighttime stuff, you're just wearing suits. Yeah. 
tuxedos yeah. are required in some things. That's easy. Okay, fine. Yeah. But it's the daytime stuff where people would go, oh, you just, oh, just, it's casual. Yeah. And you, my level of casual is way different than, <laughs> than the European film casual? festival yeah, yeah. casual. Yeah. So, then France you know, casual. Yeah. When they say casual, they're like, you know, linen suits. Yeah. With, uh, you know, right. you don't need pocket squares in my type of casual. <laughs> so, uh, so, my friend Minty, yeah. this wonderful woman who is a great fashion designer herself, took yeah. me out and, you know, brought me around to yeah. all these different places and, you know, got a bunch of uh, Paul Smith suits and ah. so, and, and she had to explain to me that don't worry about the wrinkles and the right. suits and I, that was all stuff that really freaked me out. Huh. And I, so much so that I remembered going, putting on the suit and we had to go do these photo calls and I wouldn't, I didn't even want to lean down and, and tie my shoelace because I didn't want the, the pants to prematurely wrinkle because I didn't trust the fact that you were supposed to be okay with the wrinkles. On the linen. Yeah. The wrinkles. Yeah. Couldn't handle it. I just, and I tried to, I walked a little more stiff-legged than I, I would have. And then and then once all the photo stuff happened, then I, I moved. You let it wrinkle? Yeah, I let it wrinkle. But up to that point, I think, see, the thing is fucking about this OCD stuff. Yeah. Is I think it's a way to ground ourselves. That, you know, if because if you think about, you know, ritual in general, yeah. It's a way to to feel like you have control of something. Like I know, like you know, in in my mind, so you're in in a, in a you're fish out of water. It's a new experience. Uh you know, you got a lot going on that you've never had to deal with before. I mean, what would you rather think about? How overwhelming that is or whether you're going to wrinkle your pants? Yeah. That's a good I I never thought about it like that, but that's that, that is there's it's, something to that for sure. It's like, you know, it keeps it fucking simple. It keeps you grounded. Yeah. I mean, because if you're like a guy like me, where, where the possibility for anxiety, if I don't have that stuff, like if I can't get that one thing, like like with all the stuff you're going through, you know, it's probably a fucking gift that you're not going like, oh my God, you know, you're just going like, oh, just walk so you don't wrinkle your, you know, it. <laughs> That's, you're absolutely right. I I never t- you've you've just helped unlock a little a little piece of this. I will also say that when you brought that up, it made me realize that every once in a while I will go very big picture on stuff. Uh huh. I mean, like you know, ultimate big picture is realizing you're at some point going to die. What does it matter anyway? You know, what is this? <laughs> that is but the, but like that's the biggest picture. Yeah, that's the biggest picture. But you know, <laughs> so it's slightly pulled back from yeah. that big picture. Yeah. You know, I'll go there. Like, what does it matter? What what who I all I care about are really my family and friends. That's what I really care about. Um, or like, I have to really fuck up in a major, major way to be memorably idiotic, right? You know, so so like, <laughs> it's a little it's a little easier for you to do that as a public personality, but yeah, yeah. But yeah. but like, what, say I go on uh, Letterman or something, yeah. and I tell boring stories, yeah. You know, are are people going to remember? I mean, it's got to be really, yeah. really boring for no. it to stand out. No, you, you got to go on Twitter and say all Jews must die. Yeah, Dude, but, yeah, and, and, that'd be and, a hard like, one to absorb. Yeah, so so <laughs> yeah, so so I'm and I'm I'm not going to do that. Yeah, <laughs> and but uh, 
so good good so i just you know you realize you you find ways to cut yourself some slack but then right. then i very i i remember when my grandma died yeah. and and i you know the ultimate big picture thing yeah. i was thought this is going to happen to all of us why do i spend one moment of my life worrying about anything yeah. i should just be not worrying about anything ever and then i went uh flew back the next day to new york to do flight of the concords yeah and was that the lesson was gone that day because i was nervous about oh are they gonna like did they let you know and it was it turned out to be a wonderful experience i love doing that show and it's me being crazy it has nothing to do with them uh-huh. obviously but i just like almost immediately was nervous about uh, everything and are they liking me am i yeah. doing this right and and just you know so so it's so i i probably went back to my little little you know pants wrinkling no situation. i know i i i know i i it's 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 anxiety yeah it's dread and anxiety in your brain but do you do you get locked into morbid thoughts or do you always assume that you're not doing well or you always assume that you're going to fail or that what is it called morbid thought syndrome where you do that you know you sort of ruminate on the negative things that could happen no i i would say i'm i'm god it's it's weird because i'll certainly have go through the morbid cycle every once in a while but i would say i'm way more likely to think about the positives and go into a situation thinking like somehow this is going to work out this is going to work out um you know i'm i'm realistic about stuff yeah but realistic and and feel like i put in the time and effort sure, uh, usually to, yeah. to put myself in a good position to have a but you know and but you gotta get think, nervous about stuff sure but, but you got to think yourself through you got to convince yourself every time yeah you yeah yeah oh yeah yeah <laughs> and and you know the the further i go along yeah uh with stuff and you get more comfortable just being in every situation like this this uh the, the nebraska um situation that for the last several months has been a lot of screenings and sure. q and a's and it's it's at times scary to talk in front of people and now i've done it so much that now i feel much more comfortable yeah uh talking uh in front of people and and i don't know you just i i i i feel like i'm loosening up on on myself and it's not not even just that you're comfortable doing uh getting out in front of people you just are comfortable making a mistake right yeah you're human like i think that people would tell me oh you're kind of ocd before and i go nah i'm you know i uh whatever and, and just the moment that i actually said yeah i am was was such a uh, part of the burden was lifted yeah. or i went to i went to therapy once but i hadn't gone in years and then yeah. i went through this breakup several years ago and i finally went to therapy for the first time and it was like it wasn't even the talking to somebody about stuff it was the act of giving up part of myself to say like oh yeah i'm not i'm yeah i i am i need somebody else to help me with this i can't do everything myself was a, a freeing thing and yeah no it's 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 great because like that whole perfection thing your brain was sort of like well that other guy he must you know how come he doesn't have these problems you start to create this landscape of of everybody else seems to figure it out and then or or you get into that situation especially with a breakup where your 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 uh your confidence is injured on that level yeah that yeah. feeling of sort of like why am i even trying i'm not i can't do it 
Oh yeah, at, at times, sure, everyone it's does. It's just the worst. Where you go on a date with somebody, and you're like, I'm an idiot. Like I'm 50. What are you? I'm gonna drive home from a date and go like, Oh damn it, I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> what is that? What the fuck is that? I know you think that eventually that'll go away, but it never. I I keep thinking like, you know, when you grow up, you're thinking, Oh, at some point, all of life's you know how it goes away are unlocked it goes away when you marry and have kids at 23 then you're locked in <laughs> you know what i mean i mean that's the big difference is the difference in that between us and our parents is that they weren't wandering around at 45 years old going like i hope i can meet a girl i like <laughs> you know whether that's they true. whether they liked him or not they were in it you know, they had all those grown up responsibilities around kids and they, you know, they, I don't think that they were, I think our generation is a little more uh, entitled and a little more self-involved, Yeah. You, you know, and they just sort of like, you know, st- sucked it up and none of them ended up staying married. But, but you that's know. the thing is like, is, is you, you look at these people and you, you have a tendency and not everybody, cause there are certainly people you go, oh, I'm so happy I'm not that person. Yeah. But you, the, the people usually that you look at and you go, oh, I... I I admire this person. Look at how normal they are, or whatever. They got their shit. Oh yeah. And the couples, yeah. that you admire so much. Oh yeah. Then f- they get divorced, and yeah. you go, oh god, happened? I was what what happened? And it's like, and and so it's, you know, I you guess got, the main you, thing is just like you know, because it's 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 just you know, learning like just be happy with your yeah, don't yourself, make up, which I'm still learning right. to be. Don't make up lives for everyone else. Yeah. Like, you know, most of what you think about other people yeah. or what, most of what you believe is just garbage you're making up. You're idealizing everybody. It's this fantasy life that, of course, look how happy they are. Yep. He's got his own plane and yep. he's crying in it. Because they're always <laughs> smiling whenever they see me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, you're doing great. And I you know, I hope the uh, the movie fares well uh, in, in the award season. Thank but you. He, I'm so happy you liked it. No, it was great. And it was great talking to you. Yeah, good talking to you. That's it. That's our show. Great guy. You know, it was warm. I felt warm. I highly recommend that movie, by the way. And I'll recommend other movies, if it means anything to you. Uh, Go to WTFPod.com for all your WTF Pod needs. Check in. Leave a comment. Don't be a dick. Get the app. If you get the app, you can get it for free and then upgrade it for a few bucks. And you can uh, stream all 460 whatever episodes of this show. The Archive. Watch uh, Marin Season 1 on Netflix. Watch Thinky Pain on Netflix. You can pick up my book, Attempting Normal, in any format. Uh, you know, you can get it over there, put it on your Kindle, and get the book itself. Paperback's coming out soon. I got to go memorize some lines. I got a big scene today with Sally Kellerman. He's playing my mother. Uh, I, you know, I enjoy talking to you people. I'm glad you're hanging out. And, um... Deaf Black Cat is around. He's around a lot now. It's weird when you give some, uh, when you give it, when you give a cat chicken, they uh, they hang out. Monkey and Lafonda are, are are well. They're aging. Guess we're all getting old together. We're gonna try to keep that a happy uh, event. Living alone and aging slowly with uh, two cats. Gonna keep that on the plus side. Let's keep the uh, the tone around that in the positive column. Boomer lives. <laughs>